Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. We've got the Colonial coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, what are we going to be doing with these these players that were in the grind at Bethpage? Do we do we favor them or not going into this weekend? We'll have our picks coming up at the end of the show. Kyle, how we doing? We're good. Yeah, Colonial. Uh, everybody's like, oh, why aren't you going? Well, it's like an hour and a half away. Like, it's not like people think of DFW as being, you know, it's not like Ponte Vedra. It's uh very very sprawling so great course though love colonial um it's a great field too have you seen this field i have it's solid yeah i mean week after i mean again like there's not a ton of like perfect opportunities for guys to play but i I was impressed for a week after a major for this field uh francesco molinari john rom justin rose jordan spieth xander shoffley uh, fowler Finau fowler CT Pan, all the stars. The bread man. The real Rory Sabatini. The real Rory. Rory's got nine top tens this year. Uh, <laughs> wait, you're talking about McElroy, not Sabatini. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about McElroy. Uh, let's get into some news first. Justin Thomas that pulled out of both the Wells Fargo and also the PGA Championship. He's been dealing with a wrist injury. Right now, it looks like he's going to be back for the Memorial. What's the level of concern or alarm right now for you with Justin Thomas? Uh, none, if he's playing Memorial. I, I thought it was either going to be a U.S. Open thing or, which I guess that's not the greatest tournament to come back f- for with a wrist injury, but I, I thought it was going to be a, a U.S. Open thing or like longer term. Wow. So I think Memorial is great. I think I think that's a really good sign for his, for the rest of his year. So I am very excited to get Justin Thomas back because he has been missing from these conversations just by not being in action. And I I think that a potentially like great talent of this generation has not been able to put in the results so that we can have the fun debates of where he stands right now. And there was a moment, there was a real hot moment in the last 24 months where we were looking at Justin Thomas and I didn't he reach number one, but when we were talking about Justin Thomas, like he might be the dude at the moment and I'm ready to welcome him back to that uh, debate and conversation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think we, I had conversations with people at the PGA of like, you know, and this is nothing new, but is JT better than speed? Like, is he going to have, you know, and he's got, I think he's got work to do in terms of the resume, the CV, as my European friends call it, but uh, I think it's, I think it's in, I think the conversation is there to be had. He hasn't had, he's had a good year, but for him, it hasn't been a great year just because he hasn't won. But he starts the year, you know, third at uh, Kapalua, 
third at Phoenix, almost wins Genesis, finishes second there, top 10 in Mexico. And then he hasn't really done a lot since Mexico. He was T12 at the Masters, but that's pretty much it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I welcome him back into the conversation. I think it'll be good. Speaking of U.S. Open, uh, a fr- uh, a fr- he's never been on the podcast, but certainly friendly with the podcast. Uh, Shane Bacon inserted himself into the qualifying process for the U.S. Open. Is he already locked in on the U.S. Open broadcast? Like, that's part of his job, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this he was, was this I think was he like, was going to do both, is he, what he said. Okay. So he was wanted to to see push this, see how far it went. His game, is, have you played with him? His game must uh, be tight. It's unbelievable. Really? I played with him. So I played with him a couple of years ago. I might have told this story before, but we played today course that was about to host a local qualifier which is what he played in to get into sectionals i think there's 10 sectionals or maybe 12 but you got to play local to get into that and i think you can enter if you're like a one handicap there's there's a number you got to be one or 1.8 or something like that and i'm playing from the men's tees and i i played well and i shot like an 89 or 90 and, and I was like, wow, I hit the ball well today. It's just a hard course. Right. He played, he played from the tips and shot a very, very casual 70. Whoa, oh, my God. And, like, didn't he just – he was kind of just, you know, whatever, like just messing, you know, messing around. Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, and, great drive, Kyle. He's probably giving you a lot of compliments on your game as oh, he's yeah, shooting he a 70. Like, the way he was talking was like I was the one shooting a, not a 70, like a 65. Right. <laughs> and it's kind of what it felt like they, uh, on that course. And so he is he's really, really good. Uh, but so he goes to sectionals. I mean, there's like three Masters champs in his sectional. It's like Mike Weir who who qualified, Angel Cabrera, uh, and I think somebody else. But it was in Dallas. I unfortunately wasn't here. I would have gone out there. But uh, he uh, he shoots plus nine, and I think the minus fours got into a playoff. So he got beat by th- uh, he was thirteen out of a playoff, which just goes, I mean it just goes to show you like how good those guys are. Was that across thirty six holes? Yeah, thirty six holes. Yeah, yeah. Pl- yeah. Plus nine across thirty six holes and a sectional qualifier means your game's still really good. Yeah, and he's it was windy, and it was you know he'd never played the course before. But I mean, in all sincerity, like I, I thought it was the coolest, and I was really proud of him. And just you know, we were kind of texting about it with our group chat, and I just I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was really cool for him. And you know, he he kind of threw this out there, but you know, just it, it, I think even though he did obviously wasn't really that close to getting through kind of a, kind of an all time day for him. You know, he had never, he, he had always done the local, but never gotten through to the sectional and to go out there and contend with guys. He beat a bunch of guys and I don't know. I just, I thought it was, I thought it was sweet and I was proud of him. Uh, we mentioned this on the last podcast, but do you believe that Tiger Woods is going to be playing the Memorial? I think that he will, but I'm not confident at all. I think he will, and I think he won't make the cut. Wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, he did shoot an 85 there a couple of years ago. I, I think that the I think that what happens on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of Memorial Week is probably more important for Tiger Woods than what happens Thursday and through Sunday. Yeah. I mean, 
Sure. I, I think it's Jack's him- tournament. All I mean, that in that what it's going to be. We we want to see Tiger Woods sitting beside Jack in the media center, getting questions about chasing Jack. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the reason that I think that he'll play is is because of the Nicholas thing. But I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he'll play. I I was very confident that he was going to play Quail Hollow, and he didn't. I don't know that he. I I don't. I don't think the narrative of like, oh, he needs to play. He was rusty at the, you know, whatever. Don't like I, that. Not no, he, not I, here for that. No, I'm I'm out on that. I don't think Kepka needs to play until the U.S. Open. People who say that act like uh, golfers don't play rounds of golf when they're not competing. Right, and uh, like there. This look, isn't football. Like there is there. You, this isn't football where you necessarily need to get like into game speed right well there there is a difference between tournament golf but my point is that like look tiger just won the masters like it's not it, you don't like lose it all in a month or three weeks or whatever so i just i don't know i i don't i'm not a fan of that narrative i i think it's kind of kind of weak uh, one of the interesting twists coming up on the golf calendar, we've got the NCAAs coming up. So I'll be having my Victor Hovland gear on. I will be rooting for Matthew Wolf. Uh, is is Doug Gim still in college or is he a pro now? He's a pro. He finished He finished like top 15 at the Byron Nelson last week, two uh, weeks ago. Who, who do we have our eyes on uh, in terms of the NCAAs? Well, besides Oklahoma State winning stroke play by like 35, uh, there, I don't know. I mean, I think you've seen this Auburn, Alabama thing that is part of the, um, what's the show called on golf channel that JT and Ricky are producing? I don't know. I can't remember what it's called, but, uh, Auburn's really good and they almost beat Oklahoma state at regionals. Um, and they made it to the match play last year in Stillwater. Uh, so I think they're interesting. Uh, Colin Morikawa, who plays at, I think he's a Cal. Sean Martin's going to kill me for not knowing that. <laughs> he's going to uh, text you the moment he hears it. Yeah, this is, this is embarrassing. Yeah. He plays for Cal. Uh, he's, he's up there, him, Hovland and Matthew Wolf were the finalist for the Ben Hogan award. I think it was the Hogan award, uh, which Hovland ended up winning, which includes the, um, it's not just college golf. It's it's the amateur stuff as well. So obviously, Hovland won the USAM, was low am at the Masters. He's going to win that award. But Morikawa was great. Uh, Wolf is great. I think, you know, I don't think winning NCAs is as big of a deal as maybe casual golf fans think it is because, like, the Western AM's a huge deal. The USAM. There's other stuff in amateur golf that's bigger. But it's still a big deal. And... I think it'll be interesting to see those guys kind of kind of duke it out for uh, for first. And now it's time for the perfect finish prediction brought to you by Amstel Light. If you want that perfect finish and you want to just gather your guys around, well, you know, Amstel Light's going to be the beverage of choice for it. So as we're trying to uh, predict or speak into existence, the perfect finish at Colonial. Kyle, what's your perfect finish? Yeah, my perfect finish is Bryson or Fowler winning Colonial the week after. Actually, no, it's Bryson winning Colonial the week after Brooks wins the PGA Championship. And here's 
why it would be the perfect finish for me is because it would really shine a light on the differentiation between majors and PGA Tour events. Bryson doesn't have a top 10 at a major. And Kepka doesn't win non-majors. And I think I think that I was reading this um, this I remember this caddy thing from the Masters. It was like the anonymous caddy interviews. Like they did like five or six caddies. Right. And this caddy was talking about how Bryson doesn't have the patience to to compete at a major. And I just think they are such different animals, like regular PGA Tour events and major championships. And so Bryson winning at Colonial this week, uh, not only would it be good because he hasn't been playing that well, but I also think it would really provide this really stark contrast from one week to the next of what it means to win a PGA Tour event and what it means to win a major championship. So my perfect finish is going to be Ian Poulter winning at Colonial. <laughs> so my the the premise here is that you fade anybody who went four rounds at Bethpage. Like anybody who went four rounds at Bethpage, the, the physical and mental exhaustion yeah. at some point, I think that at this tournament – you're going to run out of gas and correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't played it. And I certainly don't have the proximity uh, to be intimately familiar, but at colonial, you don't need to hit at 315, 320 to be able to work your way around the golf course. Right? No, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's similar to Harbor town, the RBC heritage in that it's short guys. Like I keep going back to him, but guys like Kevin Kisner can win and have one at, at uh, colonial. Poulter has two top tens at Colonial. Shows up at some of these shorter courses. He's at forty to one. If you're uh, if you're out there, my perfect finish would be Ian Poulter taking it down uh, at Colonial. I love it. It's great. And that was the perfect finish prediction of the week, brought to you by Amstel Light. By and, the way, yeah. the walk at the walk at Bethpage. We were talking about this. In 2024, when the when the Ryder Cup's there, playing 36 in a day is going to be brutal. I mean, it is going to be so difficult to get around there in in uh, for two matches. I mean, there's there's like the older guys on those teams, no chance they play 36. That's why Phil Mickelson's going to be on a golf cart. That's what, yeah, he's going to have an earpiece in. It's yeah. going to be awesome. He's going to be on a tricked out golf cart. Just get, he's going to shatter his 1,347 time record of thumbs ups. <laughs> Coming up after the break, our picks for Colonial right after this. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything 
works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. All right, prediction time. Star-studded field um, on your field strength. Does it get the A? I think I gave it a B plus. Uh, you're a hard grader. I respect that. Yeah, I mean, it is good, but it, I think we're also looking at it in light of it being the week after a major. Right. So it's like on a curve, it's really good, but it's not – it doesn't stack up to like next week at Memorial. But I've got um, I've got the Frankfurter, Frankie, Frankie Molinari, Frankie Moles. He Everybody's needs- like – everybody – I don't know. Everybody's kind of – fading i don't know if people are fading him he he didn't play that great at the pga for him and i just think that he's coming back to that course is so hard for him it's so it's so big and sprawling and he's coming back to a place where if you're straight and if you're hitting your irons well you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna perform really well so i love him this week i think tiger broke frankie no stop i think he did it was like everything was tilted one way as Molinari is rolling through uh, Carnoustie and, you know, the, the wild pack is rooting for Tiger, but he's just the metronome and he's keeping it straight and everything's working in his favor and he's, you know, continuing to grind. Then he goes and he just lights the American side up at the Ryder Cup, goes undefeated, everything's cooking. I think Tiger might have broken Molinari at Augusta. <laughs> he did go miscut and then T four. He he missed the cut at uh, at Heritage and then T forty eight at PGA. So you might be right. I I just I I don't like I don't root for that. I really like Frankie Molinari, but I I think that there's a I whatever was moving in one way, whatever sort of whether it's confidence or momentum or your game or your flow or or whatever it is. I I wonder if that. I want because he had it at Augusta. I know he had. I was going back. I had to. Uh, I had to go back through some old text messages to do some like you know, uh, for just just filling out some like scheduling and invoicing or like whatever, like trying to do some documentation. And I was going back to my chatter around Masters Week, and everybody I was talking to after eighteen and thirty six holes were like, "Yeah, man, I think." I think Molinari is about to go win this thing. You know, what, what are we going to do with Molinari? How do we rank Molinari? Like, if he had that thing won, and the weather comes in, and Tiger just has that Sunday. I just, what, whatever was moving in one direction, I think it was halted, and now it's moving in the other direction. You know what uh, I was just thinking about on that Sunday? If Kepka doesn't hit it in the water on 12, does he win? Is he? Does he win the, that as well? Does he win the Masters also? I mean, that just falls into the routine of, uh, you know, Kepka messing up on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I need to come up with a bad storyline for Kepka to push. <laughs> a, a bad He's, faith. I need to come up with bad faith narratives for Brooks Kepka. I think it would be crazy if he would if he was one. He he would essentially be one swing theoretically from going for his fourth in a row at pebble. Do you think he's going to win at pebble? 
No, I, I think DJ is. I don't think so either. All right. So anyway, back to the colonial uh, Molinari is your pick to win. Who else do you like? Uh, I've got Justin Rose top 10. <laughs> Justin Rose last year, he, he did the thing where he played this tournament out of obligation. Like you have to, if you, I can't remember the number. If you, if you play fewer than I think 15 events, you have to add a new one to your schedule. Like one you haven't played in the last five years. I think it's five years and I, I actually have no idea what the rule is. I'm just making all these numbers up, but there is a rule where you have to add a tournament. And so he added colonial and, and then he ended up winning. And so now he's sort of obligated to go back as the defending champ. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. There's a lot of guys that I could have put in here. Fowler. I could have put Fina. I could have put, uh, who else is in it? Spieth, I guess. I don't really trust him still, but, uh, I, I just, I trust Rose more than the rest of those guys. Um, who else do you like? Uh, my sleeper is Danny Lee. Mm. Danny Lee. He's like top five in the last eight years in strokes gained at Colonial, coming off the 64 at PGA. Uh, it kind of goes against your theory of uh, fade guys that played all four rounds at the PGA, but I do. He's like 100 to one, so I like him there. Danny Lee, part of the the legendary um, USAM bracket that we were we got lost staring at. Uh, I guess he's 80 to one now, but yeah, uh, he, he was in there with Patrick Reed, right? Yeah. He won the USAM at, at, uh, Pinehurst in 08. Mm. And there are some, there are some names in that USAM. <laughs> Patrick Reed was in the, in the semis. Uh, Fowler was in it. I think Cantlay was in it. I mean, it's, it's pretty fascinating to go back and look studs. Yeah. Studs. Yeah. And he wanted. He was, uh, according to Sean Martin, youngest USAM champ ever at that point. I li- I liked Danny. D- Danny Lee had that sixty four, and then the next day, because he he had another one of those like almost Spieth like putting advantages. After the yeah. first day, he was one top three probably in strokes gained putting, and then came out with the putter on Friday, and it's gone. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't see Danny Lee. The Danny Lee ejection coming, then you just were not paying attention. Um, I don't know. Did we on the podcast talk about Harold Varner's ejection at all? Mm, I don't know. It you, was you it witnessed was tough. it. You witnessed it firsthand, and you didn't even want to speak of it. It was tough. I, I said he was playing some relatable golf. <laughs> well, the crazy part is he birdied one, and then he goes. So he birdies one, and then he plays the last seventeen and twelve over. Yeah, but just like. That the shank into the woods and then the camera just has him walking around in the middle of the woods on the clock. I call him Harold Varner the seventh after he made that seven at four, <laughs> uh, on number four. <laughs> oh, man. But like his, some of his, I mean, I was there all day and so I was walking with different people and just some of the conversations we had about some of his ball flights. I mean, they were... They were tough, man. Like it, it was ball flights that like you and I probably would have. He he was being interviewed by Amanda Balionis uh, after his third round, and is like, so you and Brooks Kepka gonna be uh, get you know paired up tomorrow? You know what? You share a putting coach. How, how do you think you are like compared to Brooks Kepka? And Varner is like, 
Yeah, well, I think our shared putting coach is the only thing we have in common right now. <laughs> <laughs> after, after, in his press conference afterwards, Kepka said, uh, he goes, you know, he was talking about things getting tight on a Sunday. He goes, you know, Harold birdies the first. I make bogey. He's within five. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm pretty sure you were never worried about Not Harold Barnard the third. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, it, it, it's a bummer. Like you don't want to see a guy shoot 81, especially when he's like, I didn't think he was going to win. And I actually said 81, like on the third hole, I think. Uh, but I, it's tough. Well, like, what did, what did Rory fire in the meltdown in 80? Who? Rory with the meltdown at the masters. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was, I, I think it was back nine forty three is what I remember. A perfectly round eighty, mm. putting up putting up an eighty on the scorecard. The best is when he went sixty three eighty at the uh, two thousand ten Open. <laughs> he goes six. He goes. Uh, I think it was a course record at St Andrews at the time, sixty three in round one. This is when he was like twenty one, twenty two. Uh, he goes sixty three, and then he. I think there was weather on Friday, but he goes sixty three eighty, and uh, yeah, not not good. Not good. Uh, you can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, thanks to Amstel Light, our presenting sponsor of the show. Make sure that you subscribe to the First Cut Podcast. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>